0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We got to show respect. We got to show respect. Give credit where it's due. It is the Deep Cover Podcast. I know you didn't hear the intro. You were expecting to hear. But we got to show love to Tyler Huntley, a.k.a. Snoop, coming in when Lamar, unfortunately, was injured in the game against the Broncos. um, Late in that game, leading a game-winning drive from his own nine-yard line. So, you know, got to show Snoop some love, man, with the intro right there. Of course, we'll talk about that. Uh, as we chop up a variety of topics, you know, we, we, we got a golden corral here today, man. we got the buffet style of topics that <laughs> we're going to kick around. Uh, again, it is deep cover podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. Appreciate everybody for tapping in. Um, looking forward to chopping up with my guys, Chris and Kerry. good show. Um, on tap. I think everybody's going to enjoy it, but touch base with the guys. Uh, the money man himself, man, Kerry Stevenson, <laughs> in them DFS <laughs> GPP streets, like high stake streets. You know what I'm saying? He he ain't out here with the fish like me. He in there stomping with the big dogs, man. How ca-
1: <laughs> how you doing, Kerry? Doing all right, man. I would have been doing a lot better if um, you know Dolphins defense would have came through for me if 2-0 would not through. You know those couple picks, uh, you know. It was- High up there in the slant, um, you know, things kind of fell apart late. Um, but you know, I love it, man. Just learning every week, getting better every week. Um, you know, hopefully some of the stuff I'm doing with the fantasy content is helping other people. But the biggest thing, man, is just being able to get back to it every week, being able to learn from my mistakes, learn from my successes. Um, and you know, seeing the most success I've seen and, I'm you know, just, Happy to be able to, to come back the following week and try to build on it. But, you know, I'm even happier to be with you guys here tonight, man, and, uh, you know, chop it up like we always do.
0: Yes, early. we were just saying before we started recording, keep putting yourself in those positions, you're going to break through and you're going to take down one of them GPPs for sure. And then, um, you know, we <laughs> – May, you know, y'all be y'all be talking about me leaving the show. You may need a replacement if <laughs> if, if, if Carrie Cash one of these big time GPPs. Man, be like, hey, I see y'all, I see y'all when I see y'all. This money ain't gonna spend itself. Uh, <laughs> Chris, speaking of money, price of strawberries. How are things going there in New York? Any better, or are we, we we still going up?
2: No man, I'm not messing with strawberries. It's straight up raspberry season for me now. Okay, please. okay. Strawberries too too damn expensive.
1: Rent is too <laughs> damn high. Rent is too damn high. Chris say I ain't paying the five. <laughs> got the five.
0: Well, otherwise I'm it's it's always good to hear that you you guys are doing well. Um you know, it's always fun. You, we, we've been doing this for a couple of years now, so we, we kind of has have seen how this goes. It's always more fun to talk about a win uh, than to talk about a loss, no matter what that win looks like. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it doesn't matter how ugly it is, and there, there certainly are things that you can uh, critique and be critical of from a win like that against the Broncos. But at the end of the day, as Ray would say, the bottom line – <laughs> it's a W, right? There ain't no pictures uh in in, in those score columns. You know I mean? It's just wins and losses. So um, you know, we'd we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Lamar's injury. Uh I think the update we heard from John Harbaugh was that it was a sprain, PCL. It's not season ending, uh, but it, it could be a matter of weeks. Uh I think he mentioned or the way I forget exactly how he phrased it. It's, it's weeks, not months or, you know, whatever, however, whatever terms he, he put it in. But uh, the best thing about that is it's, it's not season ending and, you know, Lamar is expected to come back uh, at some point before the season is over. But um, you know, it's one of those things where obviously you want Lamar in there. You never want to be able to, to, to be in a situation where you, you have to, to play games without him, especially these games down the stretch. But, you know, we've seen Snoop, you know, Snoop had to come in last year and play down the stretch those last, was it five or six games and really kept them in all but one game. You know, that, that what I always call a knife to a gunfight game up there in Cincinnati, <laughs> you know, Um, and that wasn't him. That was Josh Johnson. Matter of fact, so that wasn't even, that wasn't even. Oh him. yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, so, okay. Let me more, put more respect on his name. I get he, in all the games that he played, I think the offense, you know, was probably within a score, you know, of winning those games. You think about the Rams game. You think about uh, the Packers game. You, know, you think about the Steelers game to close out the season. Yeah, you can think about those games. And, um, you know, they were competitive in those games from an offensive standpoint. Uh, so I guess just to kind of kick that first topic around with you guys, uh, just as a way to, to talk about the game, but also talk about, you know, um, Lamar's injury and Snoop coming in and having to go up to Pittsburgh this week and, and take on the Steelers. But we'll 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 stay focused on the Broncos game. Um I'll start with you, Carrie. Do you have any takeaways? Uh gotta have a better vibe coming out of that game than we we, we certainly had coming out of the Jacksonville game.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um big one for me is man, just you know, shout out to Snoop, man. Just, you know, the the poise that he shows um the playmaking ability he shows um you know he just he has that feel of like uh um you know just a floor general point guard out there you know just out there distributing making plays um again just poise keep stuff on schedule like one thing about him um he's gonna hit the check down he's gonna um, you know throw it what timing and anticipation He's gonna keep plays alive, but keep his eyes upfield. You know, just a guy that's gonna always that always seems to make the right play. Um, so you know, Ravens are very fortunate, man. Not a lot of people have a quarterback um, you know, on their bench that they can bring off and and, and trust to do those kind of things, man. So definitely shout out to him for that. Um as far as overall takeaways, um the defense, I might lean on you guys a little bit. Um, because like the level of down bad that the Broncos offense is like when I did the rewatch, I just, like, I was so fixated on like, how is this going? Like historically bad. So I, I wasn't able to like really analyze the Ravens defense. Cause I just kept wondering, like, like this is like an all time bad <laughs> offense. Like, this is just wild to me that you can have, um, Functional players, like talented players, like a, a quarterback who has won a Super Bowl and to be just this awful uh, offensively just mind-boggling to me. So I don't really have a lot offensively – I'm sorry, defensively. Uh, offensively, you know, I, I do see some concerns still, um, you know, looking at the way the Broncos um, defend and there are, you know, predominantly a too high um, defense. And it was kind of disheartening to see the Ravens not be able to run the ball all that effectively against a, a team that's not really stacking the box. Um, you know, that gives me concern, gives me a you know, little pause. And, you know, in the passing offense, just, you know, some of the stuff that we have concerns about, just seems to be kind of more pronounced with the passing offense with, you know these receivers being asked to win in isolation when you know the the, the, the talent level isn't really showing itself to lean on net as a primary way to um, run your passing offense. Uh, and it's funny because I always talk about how they should throw. More on first down specifically to the running back side of the backfield. And like when you look at it, they throw a lot kind of on uh, on um first down, but it's always from like condensed sets or it's like I said, these isolation situations where they're asking guys to win and it's not really coming to fruition and you know, just some of the route combinations leave some things to be des- uh, desired. So, you know, that can, that is concerning. I don't want to, uh, you know, turn this into a G-Row bashing fest because you can clearly see he's trying. You can clearly see week-to-week adjustments that are made to the game plan. Uh, you know, it's, it's some of those things, but, you know, there's still – some disconnects, still some things that I see that, um, you know, are concerning. But like you said, Mike, at the end of the day, the main thing is, a, you know, a win is a win is a win.
0: Yeah, we'll take it. We'll definitely take it. I'll come to you, Chris, uh, just to get your thoughts. I, I, I do have some thoughts on the on the Ravens defense and, um, you know, a little bit on the offense too. But want to hear you out first, Chris. What what are kind of your takeaways, the vibe you had coming out of that game?
2: I mean, mine pretty much uh, lined up with, Basically, what Kerry said, uh, you know, the, it, it's so difficult to to really assess the defense because of how bad the Broncos' offense is, and you know, like what Kerry said, is is almost mind-boggling. Like, I remember when the when the uh, the schedule got released, and then the Russell Wilson trade got announced. I was like, oh damn, that's a rough game. And then you fast forward, and that. They, their offense posed no real threat where, you know, you were scared that, that they were going to take control or or, or really kind of get into the end zone or, or pose a threat like that. And, you know, when you look at an, off, an offense that has Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, even though he got hurt, and Greg Dosich who's been coming on, it's like, damn, like, it, it didn't look like they had any of those guys that that game. And yeah, I know they had some, you know, a few, uh, few like, big gains. But, it, like, consistently, when you look at a, an offense like that, you expect them to, to really apply pressure to your defense. And the Ravens defense was able to just smother them and do what most defenses in the NFL have been doing to them. So uh, that on that side of it is is difficult to assess it, especially when you you have you know aspirations of, of your team going to the playoffs and facing offenses like the Bills and the Dolphins and the Chiefs. So, um, but we've seen the Ravens defense do it against the Bengals earlier this season. We've seen them do it against the Bills earlier this weekend this um, this season, even though they lost, but. I mean, they held the Bills defense, I mean, offense in check for the most part, you know, and they were close to holding the the um, the Dolphins in check if it wasn't for, uh, you know, that fourth quarter. But, uh, you know, they, they've shown in flashes that they could do it. And, you know, hopefully when you add Marcus Williams, who should be back soon, um, that should, you know, solidify that back end even more than, than it has been. So, um Just another game for them to build on and, uh, you know, hopefully be able to not have these kind of late game struggles uh, because we even saw it in this game where McManus was in position to kick a field goal. You know, I would like to see them just shut the door and not even get into field goal range, even though he missed it. But I would just like to see the the Broncos over not even be able to get into that position. And then on the offensive side, you know, unfortunately, you know, here we are again, speaking about another Lamar injury. Um, and it's, you know, it sucks. But uh, right now, this is the reality of it. And, you know, like Harry said, you know, we're thankful that we have a guy like like snoop who can come in and he's not going to light the world on fire he's not gonna you know put, fill up the stat sheet and with you know 400 yards or anything like that but this isn't a, a this isn't a, a situation where you have a guy that's to the offense is just gonna sputter you know we see teams we've played teams have starters like legit starters when you look at the Panthers with Baker Mayfield they traded for him he was their legit starter and I would take Snoop every day of the week over Baker Mayfield and and I could say that about probably a handful of teams right now and who who have starters who I believe aren't as good as Snoop is so the Ravens are incredibly lucky to have a dude like this where, you know, they can they can still be competitive because, you know, they're going to go into Pittsburgh and it's not like their favorites, they're heavy favorites. But also it wouldn't surprise anybody if they win with Snoop at the helm, especially after what he did last season. And, you know, the, the way he was able to keep the Ravens in games last year and and not really be blown out or, or embarrassed. Um other than, you know, what Mike said um, with the, but that wasn't his game. That was the Josh Johnson game. So we chalk it up to Josh Johnson, unfortunately. Um, but uh, my main concern is, is the run game right now because it just seems like they can't get, get it going. And, you know, I know Ronnie Stanley practiced in full today, He was full participant. Um, hopefully he'll trend in, in the right direction and, and he'll play because when we saw him inserted into the lineup, we saw the run game take off. Not even the run game, just the old line just take off. And we're, we're seeing how, how important he is. And, you know, it, it's going to be so essential to get this run game going. I mean, even with Lamar, but now even more with Snoop, because they're going to have to lean on this run game more than they would you know, typically have to with Lamar. I mean, obviously he's an MVP quarterback, but um, it hasn't been pretty in, in a run game. And uh, they they have to figure it figure it out. And, and you know, it this falls on, on the O-line. The you know, O-line has to figure it out and, and be able to get some push against, you know, this Steelers defense who, you know, you could throw out rankings and all of that crap and records because we know the Steelers are going to bring it. You know, they're not just going to lay down. Uh, they're going to bring it, and, and it's going to be a tough matchup. So um, hopefully they can turn things around and and actually be able to get some push on the offensive line this week.
0: Yeah, Steelers, winners of three of their last four, you know, they had that stretch early in the season where they lost four in a row. Um, and, you know, we might have kind of been starting to wonder, is this going to be Mike Tomlin's first losing season well next thing you know like i said win three out of their last four they're now sitting at five and seven um you know and still got got some tough tough games down the stretch i mean they play the ravens twice uh they got to play the panthers and the raiders and then the browns but um you know mike t may find a way uh to get to at least 500 if not you know maybe a game or two above 500 he just seems to find a way Um, to, to keep those Steelers teams competitive year in and year out, uh, as far as Broncos game on, on the offensive side, when you guys hit on all the points, I mean, Snoop, I think what, you know, that you're going to get, and and Carrie, you mentioned it is a guy who can run the offense. He's somebody who can come in. Um, you know, is, does that mean they're going to go down the field and, and, and score touchdowns every play? No. But does that mean that, you know, um, the, the things that you would hope to see uh, in terms of just somebody who can competently run the offense, you know, getting in and out of the huddle, getting a plays called, getting guys, you know, in the right position if you if you got to get guys lined up or calling motions or whatever. And then that's all just before the snap, right? And then there's all the post-snap stuff uh, that they do in terms of, you know, some of the quarterback reads, uh, read stuff they do, even in their run game where it might just be like a read action. Like, like Gary said, a faux, faux read, <laughs> where it's not really a read, but it's just, you know, kind of eye candy to make the defense think maybe there is a opportunity for the quarterback to pull the ball, but it's really just like a core run play. Um, there's a lot of responsibility in that on a quarterback in this offense and then all the passing game stuff. So, he comes in and just manages all of that stuff competently, which I think is definitely not something to be taken for granted because there's a lot uh, in this offense, particularly in the run game. Uh, that's on the quarterback's shoulder. So for him to just, you know, come off the sideline um, and, you know, he talked about it after the game where he, you know, didn't get a ton of practice reps um, coming into this game, which is the norm throughout the regular season. Lamar is going to take the bulk of the reps and practice. Uh, so to come in against one of the better defenses in the league, and, you know, do all of those things confidently. And then at the very end, when you got to have it and they did not have I was I, this, I did not realize. I didn't realize the numbers, but they did not have very good field position the entire game. Um, they didn't have a drive that did not begin in their own part of the field. Like no drives started in in Denver. territory. <laughs> everything was Baltimore territory. which the majority of drives start in your own territory because you're typically getting the ball um you know off of a kick, you know kickoff punt whatever. But like that last drive was on the nine. So I mean, he's essentially going the length of the field and uh you need a touchdown. You know, it's not just kick a field goal. So um I give him a ton of credit for being able to do that. Yeah, the run game because I I chart it weekly and I I've, I've slipped a little bit lately. I'm I've I'm not Up to date as I should be on where they are uh, in terms of the current game, so I got to get up on that. But it is starting to concern me a little bit, and I think Chris's point about missing Ronnie is a really critical one too because you know it just the stuff is just different when he's in the game. Like they're running the same concepts, Um, they might tweak them a little bit because there are things Ronnie can do that really the other guys can't do. Uh, or certainly not able to do it at the level that Ronnie can do it at, but it just looks different when he's in there. Um, and you know things that I'm seeing in terms of little mistakes, you know, little small attention to detail kind of things that maybe aren't happening right now might lead to you know a play getting blown up or or not going for many yards. Um, you just don't see those things as often when he's in there and. Uh, kind of had his legs back under him. You know, those first games or two when they're kind of easing him in and having him on a pitch count in terms of snaps, he wasn't there yet. But, you know, once he started to get some full games under his belt, you could see, okay, he's he's back. And, yeah, it's just different when he's in there. As you would expect, you know, got an all-pro left tackle. You, you would hope things would be different when he's in the game. So I don't want to make it sound like a magic bullet sort of situation. Like, okay, they get Ronnie back, the run game's going to get better. I mean, I, I would expect it to get better because like I said, he's an all pro left tackle. He's a great player. Um, but there there are other things I think that, um, you know, kind of need to improve across the board in the run game for them to kind of get to where that they want to be. And it's all stuff that they can do. It's all just like, a hey, you know, it's execution type stuff, assignment type stuff. Every now and then you see a guy just like, you know, maybe losing the physical battle, but that's the NFL. I mean, that's going to happen. You know, there's got some defenses. They're good. They get paid too. Um, so we'll see, you know, if they can get that turned around. Defense, hey, look, Russ Wilson, man, we've read about it and heard about it this year. I don't know if you guys had looked at any of the games before, but this is kind of like my first, like, really, like, full game watch of him. It really does look like he just fell off a cliff. It, it really just looks like from one, and I know he wasn't playing great, towards the end of last year when he came back from his hand injury. So I, maybe it wasn't just the beginning of this year, but I did, I thought it was because of that last year. Right. I thought, you know, some of the, the poor play was like, okay, he's coming off of that hand thing. Uh, I think it was on his throwing hand too. So, I mean, you, you know, you, you expect to to have some issue there until that's fully healed. Uh, but it just doesn't look right. That does not look like the Russell Wilson that we've seen over the course of his career. So, uh, there's there's definitely something there. And if you're the Broncos, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you do uh, with the money that you just invested in that guy if this really is it. You know, if it's not, like, injury-related, if it's not, like, okay, first-year transition type thing, if it's not any of that and it's, like, this is it. This is where he's at at this point in his career. That is a tough, tough look uh, right there. So for the Ravens defense, yeah, is it is it, like, you know, playing one of the top offenses in the league and shutting them down? No, absolutely not. But you know what? Dominate who you're supposed to dominate. If they're not good, treat them like they're not good. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) And hold them to field goals and keep them out of the end zone. So people can say, well, it's the Broncos offense. All right, fine. That's true. Um, You know, you're going to have tougher tests ahead. But when this is the test, when this is what that paper slid in front of you across the desk, here's the test for the day. If you're supposed to dominate that thing, dominate it. And for the most part, that's that's what they did in terms of keeping them out of the end zone all game and forcing them to kick field goals. And like you said, Chris, I was a little concerned about that that end of the game, you know, thing. They get those two chunk plays. You know, you don't really want to see that uh, to set themselves up for a potential game winning field goal. You, you certainly don't want to see a was it? It was like a 17 yarder and a 14 yarder. I might or I might have the numbers flipped. Whatever, but it was like two big chunks. So you certainly don't want to see that uh, in that situation. But you mentioned some key players on the Ravens defense that can can help in those kinds of situations where, you know, a team's got to drop back and throw it because they don't have much time and they got to move the ball. Marcus Williams would be a huge help. No knock on Geno Stone. But, you know, they're, they're two different players, two different players for a reason. Um, and then obviously losing, you know, Patrick Queen. Um kind of later for for a stretch of plays too regardless of what you think about him in pass coverage he has been um much improved this year i think in terms of his play and you know somebody that you could use in that situation from a pass rush standpoint or to you know maybe even be in a position to have eyes on russell wilson right when he hits that long scramble at the end there and maybe can keep that you know uh, to a a shorter game. So some, some, some issues. I want to make any excuses, you know, some things that obviously they'll look at and feel like, Hey, we can, we can correct some of these things. We can be better in some of these situations um, going forward. We know they do that every week, but it's my long winded sort of summary. I'll take that W. I ain't apologizing for nothing.
1: I don't
0: care what it looked like. I really don't. I really do not care what it looked like. I mean, there's stuff that can be talked about, and we talked about some of it, and people on Twitter have talked about other parts of it. Uh, That's all fair. It's all part of the record. But I, as Mike Tomlin said, we do not care. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? We are moving on to the Steelers. And, uh, you know, getting ready for the, the challenges that they present. Yeah, I got my coach speak on. You hear that? That is that is classic coach speak right there. Yeah. Um,
2: <laughs>
0: anything else you guys want to hit on in this game before we kind of shift gears here?
2: No, this, this is no. one of those where you close the book and you just move on. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for the W. Right. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you for, you know, that, that field goal coming up short at the end. See you guys next time you're on the schedule.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we talked about wanting to earlier in the week in our chat, wanting to have a conversation uh, about Dion and his move to Colorado and taking that job, leaving Jackson state. I want to save that though. Cause I did. I, I, I want to, that maybe will kind of be the thing we spend some time on and uh, probably end up closing out the show after that. So I want to squeeze this Willie Taggart thing in before we do that. Cause I don't think it's, it's something you Know it's going to take a whole lot of time. I'll try, I'll try. I shared like the long version with you guys, <laughs> I try to only keep it to the short version here. But there was a report, um, if you haven't heard it by now, I'm sure you have with the way that a lot of the fan base feels about Greg Roman. Anytime I think I shared that, somebody shared that clip, uh, from uh, NBA on TNT with uh, uh Kenny. Racing to the Christmas tree and throwing Shaq into the, <laughs> throwing shack into the Christmas tree, and somebody was like, "That's, that's uh, Ravens fans. Anytime, Grave Roman is mentioned for a job, or the new offensive coordinator is mentioned for the Ravens, they just toss get your butt out of here, they just toss him out of here." Um, so there's that report that Willie Taggart uh, was going to be uh, meeting with the Ravens. Uh, recently fired from Florida Atlantic. I think there was a report that he had met with um, Dion out in Colorado. And there was some thought that he might take that job. But I think he confirmed uh, coach Taggart confirmed himself um, that, you know, he, he was not accepting a position on Dion's staff. So, um, or I, I don't know, I shouldn't phrase it that way. Cause I don't know if he was offered. He, he left there without a job <laughs> on that <laughs> staff. Let's just say it like that. Um, and then he met, uh, with Michigan and then, uh, reportedly meeting with the Ravens this week. We're recording this, this Wednesday night. So I, I don't think the report mentioned a day or whatever, where he was going to meet just this week. But, you know, for those who don't know, Taggart has a connection to the Harbaugh family, uh, played quarterback in college at Western Kentucky for John and Jim's dad, Jack Harbaugh. And then, um, when he got into coaching after his playing days he he coached at western kentucky under jack and with jim at that point jim was was coaching i think too might have been his first year or second year something like that on his dad's staff so started there and has moved around um uh, primarily on the offensive side of the ball before becoming a head coach at a couple different spots um you know ucf i think is the one where people might remember him the most for because that's kind of where the the whole gulf uh gulf coast offense took uh uh took off and you know, they started putting some points up, you know, um, in that system. And people probably remember some of the players there, Quentin Flowers, Marlon Mack, um, mm-hmm. you know, a couple guys there's another name. I was just looking at this guy last night. I was like, oh man, I didn't realize he was on that team too. He was a receiver, but I'm blanking on his name now. Um, but, you know, we had have a couple guys who ended up, you know, getting into the NFL or maybe getting a cup of coffee and then going somewhere else. But, you know, they had a good little run there. And that was kind of the, 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 the job and the situation that, Uh, sort of propelled him to some of these other jobs at like Oregon and Florida State and stuff like that. Um, So he's got that connection, but um, I'll start with you, Chris, because I know how you feel about Mr. Roman, despite, uh, you know, I don't know if we do a video version of this so people can see your little avatar there, but uh, (laughs) it is not Chris Aguilera. I'll just tell you that. It was another person. This is a person who Chris, you know, probably, doesn't, doesn't feel real real confident in right now. That's that's the picture that I'm seeing. Um, how do you feel about this report, man? Like you know, we talked about it a little bit, and we don't really know what to make of it. It might not be anything other than literally a meeting, a conversation. But what, what, what do you think? Does it does it signal anything to you, or is it just hey? It's just one of these things that happen, you know, over the course of a season.
2: Yeah, when I first saw it, I didn't know what to what to make of it, and I wanted to get you know you guys and your guys' thoughts on it when it first happened. I I sent it right over to you guys once I saw it. And um, because it is, you know, the timing is weird, but also, you know, as fans, like we typically do, we could be reading way too much into it. And he's just going there to just, you know, visit an old friend for all we know. And um, but let's just say it is for Maybe a potential hiring, whether that's midseason, whether that's throwing his name into the hat, into the ring for um, a potential O.C. uh, down the road. Um, You know, just going based off of what you said to us before we started recording and and last night where you sent us a a few um, a few articles about his background and what he's been through. Um, I think I'll let you say that stuff because you know you're the one who who really put us onto it. Um, but I think folks should really not jump the gun and say, oh, you know, this is just one of John Harbaugh's friends. You know, I, I think it's it's important to do the research, you know, before you jump the gun and before you lump this guy in with, oh, it's just somebody John knows and it's a boring offense and. He lost here. He lost there. Um, I think it's important to to do the work and because there there are multiple reasons why you could fail in in college football. You know, it's not just, oh, you know, his play calling sucks. Like, no, there are so many layers when it comes to being a head coach at a big time program. So um, I, I wouldn't jump the gun. I would do the research and you know, I, I know a you know, friend of the show, coach Evans, he, he put out a, um, uh, a breakdown, uh, breaking some of, you know, the, uh, Willie Taggart, uh, history. So, uh, check that out. If you're listening to this, uh, that's uh coach Evans, uh, sip to tally on YouTube. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think just pausing it and not jumping the gun right away. I, I and doing some actual work i I think that's the the main uh the main lesson here is just do the work before you paint this guy in a light where you have no clue who the hell or what the hell he's about just yet and uh yeah that's that's pretty much my thoughts on it
0: yeah there's a theme in there isn't that right uh sort of similar to to when the three of us talked about Dion and how we'll we'll probably mention it when we get ready to talk about him in a minute, this theme of multiple things can be true. You know what I mean? Taggart can be an FOH. He can be a friend of Harbaugh. He can also have had, you know, some losing seasons at his last couple of stops. I think I say UCF. I need to correct myself. That was USF, University of South Florida, uh, where he kind of had that good run there for, um, for a while with that offense. Uh, So those things can be true. We can also be a good offensive coach and also be a good coach. You know what I mean? Those things can all be true because like you said, there are multiple reasons um, why things don't work out uh, at a program in that one article. And maybe I'll tweet that one out um, that, you know, there were, so it's not just the author because sometimes, you, you know, you think you got to look at who's writing an article and say, okay, do they have an agenda or do they have an angle on this? Well, this guy was interviewing, um, you know, people in the uh, administration people, you know, high up in the administration at Florida State, who basically agreed and said, "Hey, yeah, Jimbo left a mess for Willie Taggart to come in here and try to clean up." I mean, their, <laughs> their academic progress rating—I think the article said—was the worst of any Power Five school um, when when Willie came in there, and it was essentially a mentality of just keep kids eligible, you know, no matter what, whether they're going to class, whether they're doing work, what—I uh, don't care, keep them eligible. And then Willie comes in and was like, no, no, you're you're going to class. You're going to study hall. You're you're doing all the things that a student athlete, emphasis on student, (laughs) is supposed to do while you're here. And so, you know, you can you can lose some talented players, uh, you know, when when you're you're trying to kind of write that ship and kind of clean that program up in that way. And, um, you know, it's a culture shift. From nah, we're not just doing that anymore. Right. Because I care about you as a young person. Right. I don't know what your football future is, uh, but I know if you can leave here with an education and a network, you can go on and, and you know, be successful in in stuff beyond football. So I got a lot of respect for a guy who comes in and does that because it could have just been like, hey, let's just keep this thing rolling. You know what I mean? Florida State had missed a bowl game and what was it, 38 years or something? Like, hey, let's just keep this thing rolling, man. Uh, but he didn't. So there's that article. You know, like I said, I might tweet that one out. But now, Kerry, let me get your thoughts on it, because I, I, I'm interested in what you had to say. I think Chris made a really good point about the timing. That's the one that stands out the most to me. I mean, we could talk about the offense and talk about his record and all those other friends, you know, being a friend of the hardballs. But the timing of this, because this it's not like it's a bye week. You know what I mean? You would think maybe when you had a little bit more time on your hands, this might be where you would bring a coach like that in when you're, you know, possibly – having to prepare for life without your current OC because you don't know if he's going to take a job um, in college at Stanford, but to do it in the middle of a, a regular season week, a, a rivalry game week, a division game week at that, um, you know, there's, there's there's something smelly
1: about that to me. What, what, what do you think about the situation? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And like that, that piece of it makes me think that this is something that we really need to kind of, um look at and analyze because you know it could very well just be you know a guy coming in to visit and that's it but that kind of stuff to me i think we normally find out more after the fact than beforehand so when we find out stuff like this beforehand like somebody somewhere wants us to know it and and why so you know that 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 piques my interest and makes me think there's, there's more to the story. Um, as far as tagger, um, as a coach, I'm kind of of two minds of this. There's one thought that, Hey, you know, here is another, um, homeboy of Harbaugh that he's bringing in that, you know, his, his thoughts kind of align as far as how he wants to do, um, Things and and you can kind of see the fit, um, kind of comparing his offense to what you feel like Harbaugh wants to see, what Roman has done, those kind of things. You also see some differences, some things that that may be welcome changes um, to kind of what's going on with the offense right now. Um. I made the joke <laughs> in the chat when we talked last week. You know, we talked about, you know, creating a list and, you know, if, depending on who's on that list, whether you need to lock the door or not. <laughs> and so, the way I see it, I'm not saying you lock the door, but I'm saying maybe you should kind of look around the door and see, you know, the functionality of the door. You know, maybe the door hasn't been used in a while. You know, maybe you need to, you know, just see if it actually locks, you know, because, you know, it's been a long time. Make sure it actually locks, you know, maybe, you know, put a little WD-40 on that thing. Mm-hmm. Make sure yeah. everything is, you know. Get it, get it working.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe, because. That, maybe you got to lock some other doors. Lock, a, lock, lock some other doors around the facility. Leave one open. Yeah, leave one that don't nobody know about. Like John don't know about that door. Okay, leave that one open. <laughs> Lock all the rest of them. But say, hey, does Coach ever been through? Nah, man, I don't, he never come around this part of the building. I don't think he even know this door here. Okay, leave that one open. <laughs> and then if he can find his way through that door with Willie, they come there together. Well, okay, maybe we can listen to what's going on. But if they can't find their way to that door, then I think you're right. Like you know, yeah. that's that's probably a confirmation
1: that we need to keep looking yeah because while I see some things with Taggart that would be welcoming um, you know that would be different I also can't help but to see some things that may be too much status quo and not enough of an evolution that you know, I would prefer to see, and maybe kind of lead to some limitations that don't need to be limitations. Um, you know, when you have uh, a player at the helm like Lamar, uh, I, I just think that he's the type of player that you don't want to put limitations on. And so I think he's a guy that, um, can trans transcend how we view offense to the point where we're not looking at an offense as a running offense, as a spread offense, as a, you know, we're not putting a label on it. You know, it can be almost a week to week thing um when you have a talent like like him, you know, if you can surround him with the right pieces. Surround him with the right create creative minds. You know the, the 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 people that will, um, you know, put people in the best position to succeed week to week, depending on the opponent. Um, so, you know, that's kind of what I want to see going forward if there is a change. Um, you know, at the at the position that, and, um, uh, you know, as much as I think Tagger got kind of ragged on and. and kind of gets a bad rap a little bit um he also doesn't really inspire me to that level from just what i've seen what i've read so far you know still some digging to do there and i definitely will do that because like i said i don't think this is a story that we should kind of take lightly. i think lightly i think it's something that um you know I think there is some smoke there. So I think everybody should do their due diligence on it. Um, but just kind of right now, it, it's not something that, you know, me personally, that's not not a move I would be making.
0: Now, I mentioned this article. There was that one um, about the situation he was dealing with at Florida State. This is an older one that goes back to his time at University of South Florida. and since I don't know if we're going to do this as a video show, probably not because we've mostly been doing audio pause, so I can't throw these quotes up on the screen for people to see. But there's just two of them. I just want to read. I'm just going to leave leave people with this. Maybe I'll tweet out a link to this article, too, and then we'll, we'll we'll have the Dion conversation. Just listen to these things and see if you don't see some relevance here. Here's the first quote. This is, this is from um, Willie Taggart. We were reading off the wristband and taking so long to call plays. It was really complicated for our guys, and they didn't take to that well. So we made it simple for them. It allowed them to be able to line up and just play football. Okay. First quote. Some people might say this sounds like a familiar situation. (laughs) Perhaps. Uh, Here's here's the next one. Stay with me. This one's a little bit longer, but uh, I'll try to get through it quickly. Uh, Again, from Taggart. We're spread out instead of being packed in there. I'm going to repeat that part. This wasn't repeated in the uh, article, just for emphasis. We're spread out instead of being packed in there. We put our athletes in space and let them do what they do best. The best way to put it is backyard football, Taggart said. When you're in the backyard and coach isn't bothering you, you're the best thing out there. As soon as you get around coach, you're no longer good. You're trying to do all the things the coaches tell you to do. Just go out there and play and play football like you know how to play. This is why tempo and simplicity are paramount in the scheme. Taggart doesn't want his players overthinking. He wants them to just react. Here's the last paragraph. So the staff made the play verbiage short at USF. They made the play verbiage short. (laughs) Using the names of NFL teams to relay plays onto the field. For example, Cincinnati Bengals would represent a certain formation in play. If the offense got the word to run Cincy, the play would be run, ran to one side. If it was Bengals, the play would go the other way. Now, that's the end of that. Um, again, maybe those things are overly simplistic for the NFL, but don't get, don't get caught up on on the specific names. Think about conceptually what's represented in those quotes and think about some of the things that Ravens fans have been complaining about with this offense. Taking too long to get to the line of scrimmage and get plays play snap, right? Because they're too long. They're too wordy. There's too much motion. There's too much pre-snap stuff going on. Too many, you know, personnel substitutions in and out of the game, right? Where they say, let's just line up and play fast. So I understand why there are elements of his offense. And I think I left that one out. Hold on. I should probably throw that one in there real, real quick too, because I think this, I want to do both sides of this. Um, Because I think this is the part. Uh, where people say, uh, nah, this looks too much like the same thing to me. Um, just this paragraph right here. Some of Taggart's philosophies remain the same. So this is after he made you know these kind of changes to the offense. Some of his philosophies remain the same. He wanted to prioritize running the ball. He wanted his offensive line to be physical. And he wanted to give his quarterback high percentage throws sprinkled in with some deep shots. I can understand why anybody would hear that and say that's the exact damn thing that they're doing right now (laughs) that's not working. So I can totally understand why anybody would hear that and say, how is that any different than what's going on here? So that part uh, I think is a fair thing uh, to, to be critical of. But like I told Chris and Carrie, the communication piece and just sort of the philosophical approach to what we want to be on offense. That's the part. You know, the physical part, right? I know that's part of it too, but to say, hey, we want to spread out. We want to play fast. We want to get our athletes in space. That's really the opposite of how they play right now. They want to pack it in, they want to be condensed, right? They want to be physical and they want to run the ball, but they want to do it all from very tight and condensed formations primarily. You can't really think of too many times where you're watching the ravens they're you know a handful of plays a game and you're thinking man look how they got those guys in space look how they got that speed out there in space and and you know there's there's all of these opportunities for guys to um just use their natural playmaking ability to make things happen in space I, i ain't really heard a whole lot of people make those comments about um you know plays in the ravens games uh recently so Just, you know, me, I'm trying to I'm trying to see both sides. Uh, I try not to get, you know, stuck on on one side or the other. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I would feel about it either if he were somebody to be uh, uh, a potential office of coordinator candidate. But uh, I think the most important thing we all said is, hey, this could be a whole lot of nothing. It could literally just be a visit like, hey, uh, just got fired. We're buddies. We go way back kind of looking for something, you may not have anything. Maybe you know somebody that's got something, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just kind of beating the bushes, seeing what what shakes out. Could just be one of those deals. So, um, you know, uh, I could have read all those articles for nothing. But anyway, it's never for nothing. <laughs> you always learn something. Anytime you uh, you read, you you learn something. All right. Coach Pride. will get into this one because I think this is one that, as the story unfolded and we talked about it in our chat, a lot of layers. A lot of layers going on here. Um, so I think everybody knows by now that Dion has accepted the head coaching job in Colorado. Uh it was it Jackson State for what was it two years? Was it two years? I
1: think like three?
0: three. three. Oh, three? Yeah. Okay. And um there was a reaction. Let me say that. I won't I won't label it to try to make it, you know, try to paint a picture. It was this or it was that. Let's just say there was a reaction out there and it wasn't a positive one, you know, by by some folks, it wasn't it wasn't well received. Um, you know, let's just call it what it is. There's a certain you know feeling among some folks out there that he sold out, that he was a fraud, that he came to Jackson and talked about a whole bunch of things, and then left when he had an opportunity to go to a Power Five school. You know, we, we've seen people talk about I had a calling. He had a calling from God, but now you're gone. Said it was bigger than football, but now you're gone. Said it was bigger than money, but now you're gone and you're probably getting paid more money. <laughs> so there were people who were pointing out all of those things. You know, you said you wanted to shine a light on HBCU football. Now you're gone. Said it was about nurturing young men, developing young men. Now you're gone. You know, it was, they kind of turned the tables on Dion. some of these people I was listening to, because that's his thing, right, when he's talking. Get something, get a line, and keep repeating it. I'm coming. You guys better be ready. If you don't like it here, jump in the transfer portal because I'm coming. It's <laughs> Dion's thing, right? Get the little hook line and just keep using it. Yep. And they done flipped it on him and started. But now he's gone. He's not coming. He's gone. <laughs> they flipped it on him. Anyway. Uh, that, that literally just popped into my head. I was like, man, how ironic is that? <laughs> He's talking about I'm filming. Jack is t- talking about He, he gone. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> Gary, I'll start with you first on this one. So There's a lot of layers to this. Can all of these things be true? Can all of those things that Dion said he was about and wanted to do at Jackson can it be true that he was about those things? And he did do those things. But then he also had a goal to be a power five coach. And here's an opportunity to do that. Does that also mean that he can't continue that mission at a power five school? Can can all these things be true or is it one thing or the other? Is it no, you're a sellout and you used HBCUs because nobody else was going to hire you to be a head coach. Uh, You're going to have to work your way up through the ranks. Jackson gave you that opportunity. You used it and now you're gone.
1: Yeah, man, it's a it's a difficult situation to kind of parse through. Like anybody that's upset about it, I totally understand it and get it. Like he, he sold this. Like he put a lot on this. You know, when he in that introductory, in the, the introductory press conference at Jackson State, and just everything that he kind of sold about what he wanted to do. Uh, there and to leave that for like let's be honest a mediocre at best power five job um, you know at uh, uh, you know somewhere that 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 hasn't really done a lot of winning um, lately it, it, it's kind of. Uh, it almost feels like a slap in the face, and like, like let's just call it what it is. Like he's he he left for a mediocre um, job at a power five school that you know is a is a predominantly white school. So when you leave the HBCU that you made all these promises to, and you you know, basically say you felt like God called on you to do this and and what your goals were um, I can understand people being sour about that because you know when, when you talk about race when you look at it, it's kind of like um, we want see it at the table so much and You know, at at some point, why don't we build our own table? And I think that's what they felt like was happening here was Dion was building his own table. And, you know, he described it in that way. So for him to turn around and leave for the first um, opportunity that came his way, you know, it, it just leaves a sour taste for people. And I, you know, I get that and I totally understand that. And so um, on the other end of it, people should have the right to make the decisions that they feel like is best for them and best for their families. People should have the right to, um, you know, try to earn more money. And clearly, that's that's something that he's doing here. Um, we'll see what happens as far as the staff that he puts together. The only thing I've heard so far is Zimmer, uh, Mike Zimmer, is supposed to be his defensive coordinator. Mm. But you know, based off his staff at Jackson State, if he's if he's bringing a lot of those guys over, um there could be a lot of black coaches on this staff that, you know, probably would have a hard time being a running back coach, linebacker coach, office aligned coach at a power five school. um in any other circumstance, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunities to be created, um, you know, in that way. So, you know, for me personally, man, like I, I totally get both sides of it. Um, not to the point where, like, to me, flying off the handle and calling somebody a sellout to me—that's yeah. just there, there's no room for that, yeah. for me. That you know, that's just you're you're completely out of bounds if that's if that's your take from it. Um, I get, I can get people being frustrated with it, um. And I can also get people that um look at it like, hey, he's he's um he's got an opportunity to coach a power five school and 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 you know really, really try to make hay um in that way. Um I get people's stance on that too. But one thing that bothers me on both sides of this is discrediting other people's feelings, discrediting other people's thoughts on this. You know, there, there's people that, that, you know, I've seen that has talked about, oh, well, you know, he gave part of his salary. Um, so, you know, people shouldn't be complaining about him getting, you know, taking his job and getting extra money and this and that. But let, let's, let's not <laughs> be mistaken here. Deion Sanders is not hurt for money mm mm-hmm. so you know that what he gave back and i don't want to discredit him for what he's given back but that that looks a little different <laughs> <laughs> for a guy like him compared to you know some other people um but it's like those people are kind of discrediting the people that you know feel away about this and so you know people that 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 have invested interest in HBCUs, that are alumnus of HBCUs, that love their schools, that love what this, you know, what what they stand for. They thought that Dion was gonna be a, a part of, uh, you know, shining a light on these schools. They thought he was gonna be a, a, a you know, a, a, a vehicle for change and so to see that end no matter how it ended you know it's it's disappointing so people have a right to be upset about that so you know don't don't people shouldn't be out here discrediting people for feeling that way and and vice versa um you know my my only issue with this whole thing for the most part is the whole sellout thing you know I, i just think that's completely out of bounds but again, like I, I totally understand people's thought process, uh, as far as being in it, you know, when I saw it, I was kind of, you know, disappointed in it, in it too, from that sense. Cause you know, and at, at then the day it's like, you know, I, I, I thought that he was, you know, creating something that where he wasn't, um, you know, looking for acceptance and you know that ended up being not the case in a sense but you know hats off to him um you know hopefully things go well there for him hopefully he continues to to do things in the community do things for HBCUs as much as he can and hopefully the the time period that he was there um at Jackson State um, helps them going forward. Um but you know it, you know it, it's just a difficult situation with a, a, a lot of layers. Um you know shout out to Bomani Jones. I think he had the most measured um kind of viewpoint from this. So if you haven't seen that that clip um I think it's like you know Eight or nine minute conversation when he was on CNN. Definitely go and check that out because I think it was, uh, you know, about as best you can get to kind of encompass all of it. Yeah, I,
0: I think that point about how we characterize. Some of the things that we want to express in this conversation, that's that's the part that I struggle with, not the fact that you can't express those things. Like you said, people are going to feel disappointed. I would totally understand. Uh, I did go to an HBCU. uh, And so, hey, look, when he when I found out that he was going and I saw that introductory press conference and, you know, all of those things that he said he was going to do and then he did them. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? He did shine a light on HBCUs. He did develop Jackson State into a winning program. Um, you know, he did affect change. Um, so he did all the things I think that he said he was gonna do. Um, but I understand the disappointment of people attaching to that and you know Obviously, he didn't come out and put a time frame on it in his and his in his, you know, when he took the job at, at Jackson State. But I think there was an implication in those comments that this is gonna be for longer than three years. Now, whether that should have been, whether people should have read that into it, whether people should have interpreted it and that was on them and not on him, hey, that's fair too. Yeah. I never came out and said I was gonna be here for 20. years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh he did the things. So that, that's 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 kind of where I, I guess I'm straddling the fence in a way where I'm like, well, hey, yeah, he he set the bar high. And he he says some very lofty things and he says some things that made you think that he was going to be here for the long term. He said, you know, you got a calling from God to come here. He said, well, yeah, he called me. Tell me how long to stay. So, <laughs> you know, um, so, Chris, let me let me get your thoughts on it, because uh I think. Um, you know, like I said, the, the the way that people are characterizing it is, is maybe where I struggle a little bit. Not that they can't express their disappointment, but to say things like Gary mentioned where people say, you know, they're calling him a sellout or people saying he he pimped and prostituted HBCUs to get himself a, a job at a PWI. I mean, do we got to say he pimped and prostituted? I mean, maybe that's just me like, hey, man, call it what you want. Somebody uh, in my family, when we we're having this conversation, he's like, "Well, if you don't like pimping, prostituting, call it whatever you want, but that's what he did." <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I was <laughs> like, "Okay, he this this yeah, this is my uncle. He <laughs> he he only sees this one way, and it's not uh, uh, putting prime in a very positive light." But what, what what are your thoughts on this, Chris? Uh so it's
2: the, a lot of the problems that Carrie has with his. You know, the same problems I have with it as far as like going to the extreme. And and I I think that's a a common theme within our discussions is we're not really um, the type of folks who like to go to the extreme with things like be on one extreme side of, of, of the spectrum compared to the other side. And and that's what what we see so much in society is we see so many extremes where people have to take a hard stance either one way or the other. And it's like, yeah, you could be disappointed, but to attack his character, to attack his motives, like to somebody who you don't know, you don't know this man, um, I I think a lot of people leave out the fact that his kids are going to be going with him. And he's trying to, (laughs) except for Shiloh. (laughs) <laughs> but um you know he's I, i'm i'm sure that weighed into his decision too and angling way to you know for the the best track for his his son or sons to get uh to get to that the next level that they want to get to you know I'm i'm sure that had a huge factor and you know if your children want to be in a certain spot and you can help them help get them there and also be a integral part of that as far as being their coach you know we we know so many so many of these these young kids they get you know they we see it with uh dj uh uh the clemson kid you know five-star guy and it just does not seem like the right fit at clemson and he entered the transfer portal you know when if you can control your your kid's career, college career, and be able to put them in the best positions to to succeed. And if you think going to a power five school is a step in that direction, I think most parents would do that for their children. You know, not saying that that's the whole decision, but I do think that's a big factor when you put put the, the fact that his kid is going to be going to Colorado as well, and seemingly going to be the starter there too. Um, and, and I just think telling folks what is in their best interest when you don't know all the factors that go into their lives, I think that's that's where folks mess up. You know, just because Dion has been in the you know limelight for you know thirty plus years it doesn't mean you get to control what he does in his life or, or the decisions that he makes, you know, if, if he feels like it's time to move on and, and time to, you know, take that next step in for his career and, you know, his son's career, who, who are we, the public to tell him you're wrong for doing that? You know, it is his life. It's the, the life of his children. You know, it, there are there are many decisions that people make and we don't know all of the reasons that go into them so to act like you do know and oh it's just a money grab oh it's just this it's just that it's like no you're you're projecting you think that's what it is but you don't know for sure you you don't know what's going on behind closed doors and and i think that's an important thing and you know we before we started recording we were speaking about that how Sometimes the human element is just lost when we speak about athletes or, you know, public figures in general. You know, this is not just a a game, a simulation where, you know, there's no feelings, there's no emotions. You know, there's so many factors that, that lead to these decisions. It's, you know, Deion Sanders. Yeah, he's a multimillionaire, you know, been famous for years. But. Just how it takes us, you know, we have to look at so many angles if we want to change careers, you know, if we want to move to a different location. There's so many factors in that. And, you know, it's the same with those people who are athletes and who are stars. Like, they have to think about these things too. They have to think about themselves, their career, their goals, their family. You know, and to make it seem like, no, like, they have to worry about this or worry about that to me that's just that that's not fair to put on somebody it's, it's not fair to put your expectations on to those people and set them set your goals as their goals you know no matter what you you think they should be doing and uh i, I just think that you know the having an opinion on it that's fine but to go as far as like calling him a sellout and all of that stuff like that to me that's just wrong I agree. And
0: I guess the last point I would make, and I'll, I'll throw it back out after I say this, you guys want to say anything else on it, um, is as much as he is a public figure, and like you mentioned, because of um, who he's been since, I mean, probably since high school, really, but certainly since college at Florida State and then into the NFL, because of who he's been and and you know what his personality is, he has been in the limelight. And he has been the center of a lot of attention, right? And when you put yourself out there like that, then you are going to share a lot of yourself uh, with the public. But you don't have to give them everything. They're not entitled to everything. You know what I mean? Uh, He doesn't have to. He doesn't owe anybody an explanation for why he did this. I think that's the thing that a lot of people have a hard time with is they, they need to know why, right? He needs to tell us why. No, he doesn't. (laughs) he doesn't have to tell you why he doesn't owe you that right the only people that he needs to have those kinds of conversations with are his family and you know if they're um all comfortable with this decision and understand why he made it and support him for making it that's that's the only people who I feel like are entitled to that piece of it right I understand like I said it's a public figure so there's going to be a certain amount of things that he he you know does share publicly and and will be questioned about and people will expect an answer but i don't think that that's one of them you know they can expect it they can expect whatever the hell they want Mm. but i don't think that he owes them an answer about why he did this right and they can certainly turn back and 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 point back to the things that he said when he took the job and then at, at jackson and say okay fine show me where i didn't do those things point to one of those things that i didn't do And, you know, another point I think you made, Chris, that was important is we don't know the whole story. There's other things at play here, probably a variety of things that we don't know. I've heard, you know, some stuff from some family members down around that area about some things that happened um, on and around campus during his time there. Uh, And they said, hey, you know, there's, there's some other pieces of this that don't get talked about as much um that you know are ugly in some ways you know not the kind of things that you would um expect to see anywhere um but let alone you know there where you're like hey this guy you know took this job and you know for all of these reasons and then you know people stealing from you so (laughs) you know i'm saying this stuff like that there's all kind of stuff going people breaking into you know breaking in and stealing stuff there's all kind of crazy stuff going on so you just don't know all the different elements and all the different parts of the story um, that drove this decision for him. And like I said, I don't, I don't know that we're owed that, you know what I mean? We can want it. We can expect it. <laughs> but I don't think that we're <laughs> owed that. So. And,
2: and I think, I think another factor in this too, is how he's leaving the program. He's not leaving it in turmoil. He's not leaving it Uh, you know with some scandal hanging over it like we've seen with Pete carroll and and you know urban meyer and and so many other coaches who you know left and you know basically unscathed and leave the the program in shambles Uh, i think he's leaving the program in in pretty good hands and you know way better than it was when you know when he got there and if he was leaving it like if there were all of these scandals that were coming out and he was like, all right, I'm out. I'm going to Colorado. Peace. Good luck cleaning this up. You know, I think that's a whole different case. But um, to leave on a high note like he did, I, I, think, I think that's important to factor into this too. Here's one other
0: question I did want to ask you both. Um, just occurred to me. Do you think the reaction would change at all? Now I'm going to throw some names out. Not that these coaches are any – are in any jeopardy of losing their jobs, but just for the sake of this conversation, do you think the reaction would be the same if he was leaving Jackson State to go to Alabama, to go to Georgia, to go to Ohio State, to go to Clemson? I mean, just think of any of these big primetime programs. I'll start with you, Carrie. Do you think the reaction would change? Do you think people would be like, oh, well, that's Alabama. Whoa, well, oh, that's Georgia. <laughs> you know what I mean? Versus you're going to a Colorado team that was one in 11 last year. Do you think it changes the reaction at all? Do you, I guess what I'm asking is, is it because of where he's going that maybe the reaction is the negative part of the reaction is as strong as it is?
1: Oh yeah. I think without a doubt, Um, you know, when you look at, when you really look at this, Part of his kind of sell selling to um, Jackson State when he when he was introduced there is, you know, we don't have to go to these places in order to make our mark, and you know th- that's part of the reason why people are are, are sour is but you, you know because of comments like that. But I think that. If it would have been in Alabama, people would have said, "Oh well, that's Alabama. We get it. Yeah. You can't turn that down. We understand." But Colorado, <laughs> that's that's a little bit of a different different story. So it's kind of like, you know, you you said you don't have to go to these places to to make a mark, and then you just as soon as one comes available. Like you're, you're just gone to, make you know, a mark. <laughs> yeah. To make a mark. So, you know, that, that, that I think that's one of the things that kind of leaves a sour taste for people. But I, I tell you one thing, he ain't that way. You better win. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you better win quick or, you know, all that, that Coach Prime stuff and that, that that excitement, you know, everybody's pumped up now on the social media and this and that. You know, you didn't play for the Broncos. They're not, giving, they're not giving you no pass out there. So whatever recruits you can pull, whatever, you know, transfer portal and all that stuff, you, you better make it happen. Because if you don't, you know, you're not dealing with – You're not dealing with the same level of support, the same level of unconditional love, none of that. So not
0: at all. And uh, for obvious reasons that we all understand. And then, you know, you hear some of these reports about how, you know, these adjectives that people use, you got to like, you know, decipher the code. Well, he, he has a unique way of running a program. You know, it's not the way that some of these uh, power five athletic directors are used to a head coach running a running a, a football program. I don't know what the hell that means. Um, <laughs> but people uh, who've reported, you know, similar things. So like if if there is anything to that where, hey, there's something that's different about this, not just different about you because of who you are, but different about the way that you run your program. And then you're black and you don't win, then uh things can turn ugly real real quick and then you know you can you can almost spin it forward and think about okay well obviously you don't want that to happen you want to see him have success but if it doesn't happen then you know
1: where
0: you know where, where does it go from there but I, I want to throw that question to you too chris like so does that do you agree with carry that the destination probably puts this in a different light for people when you know if it's not colorado if it's this is one of the bigger time programs
2: yeah so when i first because i first heard about this i want to say like two weeks ago where it was um university of south florida uh cincinnati and colorado were all in the running and um out of those three schools, I'm like, I'm going to no damn Colorado. So it's got to be Cincinnati or it's got to be, you know, <laughs> South Florida. You know, obviously the Florida connection and then Cincinnati, yeah. you know, they've had recent success uh, over the last couple of years. Put a bunch of dudes in the draft. Yep. And uh, he ended up going with Colorado, which is a strange choice. <laughs> but um, I, I, I think you could justify the other ones a, a bit more. But, um, you know, I do think there would be less pushback if if it was one of those uh, top schools, uh, like a SEC school or something like that. Because, you know, I think because it's such a lower level because it's not even like they're competitive. You know, it, when you look at Oklahoma, not Oklahoma State, you look at Oregon State, they've been more competitive than Colorado has. And it's not even just like recently, it's over the last decade they've been better. And when you take a program that's like that, that's such bottom of the barrel, it, it I, I could see why people would just, you know, ears would perk up and be like, really, Colorado, <laughs> the hell? But, um, like we said, uh, he has his reasons, um, you know, maybe they. He likes how they run things there. Maybe they'll give him the the leeway that he wants. Um, you were talking about it um, just right now, Mike, where you said you know he likes to run things his way. And uh, I remember him saying where he would say, see, coaches sleeping in the office and not seeing their family. He was like, that's not gonna be the way I run my stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe at Colorado they're like, you know, hey whatever you want to do we're down with okay. that you know we you you run the show and maybe the other places didn't want to give him that leeway um all of that is speculative but you know it has to be something if he's going to damn colorado <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know what i think it is like i honestly think it could have been anywhere um like you look at him as a player <clears throat> supreme confidence one of the most confident, you know, football players we've probably ever seen. That that isn't changing it in coaching. Like this is, we're talking about a guy with supreme confidence. I think he feels like he just needed to get to a power five school. I think he thinks that his gravitas, what he can bring to the table, I feel like he thinks he could go anywhere, pull recruits, get guys through the transfer portal and make something happen and make whoever, you know, a really, really competitive team in short order. About to find out if he's right or not, but I really believe that it almost didn't matter the place, you know, as long as the money was right or, you know, whatever the case may be, I feel like he would have took the job because I think he's that confident in, you know, what he can bring to the table.
2: Yep. And to that point, I think I saw something yesterday where it said they had like over 200 kids <laughs> requesting uh, for Colorado to go through the transfer portal. So you already see that, that pull and that, you know, that, that kind of, that aura that he has where kids just want to play for coach prime, you know, yeah. and, that's not even speaking about recruits. I mean, look at what he did. He was able to flip a five-star from FSU to go to Jackson State. Yeah, you know, and I'm pretty sure he's going to get his hands on a few more guys that that'll okay. be able to flip and you know get the a uh, Florida pipeline going all the way to Colorado somehow. You know, so it's 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 going to be amazing to watch watch it develop. Um, I, I wish him nothing but success. I hope it doesn't. Crash and burn because uh, I would like to see him succeed and and uh, you know really take it to to another level and and just do it his way you know not not be one of these cookie cutter coaches that that, that we constantly see because I, I know we talk about black quarterbacks a lot, but I mean you know these black coaches you know they, they have to put on a mask when they you know they go sit with these owners to interview and when they talk to the media. And, uh, you know, we don't, we don't see that with prime. So I'm, I'm hoping he can, you know, do it his way and, and really become this, the winner that he was, you know, at, at the HBCU and bring that to the, you know, a uh, uh, a broader audience as far as the, the, uh, power five is concerned. That's really what I'm hoping
0: for too, that he just has success with it because, we know how much football, it may be true in other sports too, but football in particular, how much people believe in, in blueprints and in copy, you know, uh, a successful strategy or, or, you know, something that had success. So if he's able to come out of the HBCU environment, come to a power five school and win and have success. To me, I feel like there'd be other teams that would say, Well, look, maybe we need to be looking at some of these other HBCU coaches. I mean, now people could say, Well, that's Dion, right? How come they haven't been doing there? There have been HBCU coaches who've won before and ain't nobody pulled them up out. You know, I think I think that's what I heard is that Dion is the first HBCU coach to get one of these power five jobs. I think that's I read that correctly. So Man. maybe it is about him, maybe it's about the personality because there certainly have been other successful uh, coaches at the HBCU level who haven't gotten those opportunities, but maybe that's what this takes. Maybe it takes that personality to kind of shake that up and say, all right, maybe there's only one Dion, or maybe there isn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe there are others who, if just given that opportunity, sometimes it just takes time, you know, and that's the part that sucks about it. It shouldn't have to take that time. It should be based on your merit. And there's plenty of people who've shown that merit way before now uh, who who probably have been deserving of these opportunities, not probably have been deserving of these opportunities and never got. And so in some ways I know it's probably got to feel very unfair to say, Oh, it took that dude. He's the one that had to do it in order for more of us to get these opportunities. Hey, however it happens sometimes, you know what I mean? It's, it's unfortunate that it it has to happen certain ways or it takes the time it takes because nothing against Dion. I don't want to say it has to happen certain ways because I don't want to imply there's anything wrong with him, but just the fact that it 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 has taken the time that it's taken for another coach at the HBCU level to get a Power 5 opportunity. I'm hoping that he can open that door, right, so the other people can get those kinds of opportunities. But it all starts with winning and having success in Colorado. So we're going to see. We're all going to get to sit back and watch this experiment and see how it goes but i'll still be rooting for him i'll be rooting for him just like i did when he went to jackson state i'll still be rooting for him in colorado because i do want to see him have success because i I think it not only is significant for him i think it's significant for others as well so it's a lot to have on his shoulders um but like carrie said he's an ultra confident guy and i don't think that he has any doubt in his mind that he can be successful there i think he believes in his ability and I think he believes that you know give me this opportunity and I'm gonna make it happen. <laughs> you know, I just need the opportunity. So it's gonna be fun to watch for sure. Um we might be doing we might be watching a lot more Colorado games we've ever watched <laughs> well, I mean we we we'd have to go back to the Eric B. Enemy days <laughs> when we was watching Colorado like that. <laughs> so uh get ready. Ready to watch some of those games out there. Um, Anything else you guys want to hit on? I think we touched on everybody or everything we wanted to talk about. Definitely want to say everything. I want to say we touched on everybody. Pause. Touched on everything (laughs) that we wanted to talk about tonight. (laughs) Nobody will hear that. We're at the hour and 25-minute mark. Nobody's going to record that and post it on Twitter.
1: Deepfake we'll me! Oh, man, you just open it up. Yeah. <laughs> Deep fake <deepfake> me. <laughs> we'll be talking about such an everybody. <laughs> Nobody's
0: going to do that. Nobody would do that. Anyway, anything else <laughs>
2: you guys want to talk about before we get out of here? No, let's uh, go Ravens and beat the Steelers. Yes, sir. That's it.
0: Steelers week. Don't sleep. I feel like I say it every week. People are like, can we sleep? Can we ever sleep? Is there ever a time where we can sleep? No. The answer is no. (laughs) No is the answer. A resounding no. No. You know when you can sleep? When the season's over. Sleep your ass off. Right. Till then, no. You cannot sleep every week. You got to be focused. You got to go into these games respecting your opponent. I don't think you really got to say it that much this week. I think people know. People know the Steelers. People know it's a division game. Kenny Pickett, Whatever. You know, hey, they got talent. You know what I'm saying. Still got Cam Hayward. Still got T.J. Watt on defense. Still got Minka. Right? I think Minka's playing, or is Minka still out? I think he's playing. Yeah, I think he's playing. Yeah. So you still got that. Uh, Najee Harris. We know he can run the ball. Deontay Johnson, downfield. Deontay. We know <laughs> what he can do. And George Pickens. Hey, he will show you and tell you. Oh yeah, what he can do. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like Mike T said, I'd rather say, I'd rather say, whoa, you know what I'm saying? I'd rather say, say, what do you say? Sickleman instead of, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he ain't trying to, he, he ain't trying, you know, he, he wants that fire in guys. You know what I mean? I ain't worried about that. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, he has a quiet game because I think there are a lot of George Pickens fans, uh, as among those of us who follow the draft and kind of into the draft I know chris you were a big fan of he is Carrie I know you liked him oh yeah
2: um, Oh, he's going for 300 yards oof he you know what i'm still i'm still i'm still
0: putting my chip on my boy miles boykin miles boykin revenge game <laughs> <laughs> who knows
2: hey wasn't it last year or the year before where chris Worley went off
0: yeah warmley boy he had three sacks
2: yeah
0: yeah had three sacks in, in in that game I don't remember yeah, was, was it 2021? I think it was
2: 2021.
1: Um, my T being there, giving them that Michael Irvin um, for the game. <laughs> Nobody believes in you. What are you prepared to do about it? They you know treated he you t- in the division. <laughs> you know he does. Because he's
0: already got all the built-in one-liners. We see that every week. Every time he get in front of a microphone. Right. He got a right. So imagine being in the meeting room. He's mm. probably just firing them at you, just one after another. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's how they felt about you. Like you said, they ain't think you could play. They traded mm-hmm. you in the division. They ain't scared of you. They're like, please, please play him against us. <laughs> <laughs> and what he did? Three sacks. So, you oh, know what? Miles. Miles getting to talk this week. They talking about best thing you do is cover kicks. <laughs> You can't catch. (laughs) You can't run a (laughs) route. You know what I'm saying? You need to go over there and light them boys up. You see that dude opposite Marlon Humphrey? Don't mess with him. He legit. You Mm -hmm. see that other dude over there wearing that 24? Go fire his ass up. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Barbecue chicken alert. (laughs) Week 14 sprinkle me (laughs) play. I I don't (laughs) even know. Jorgen has been playing. He might not have any offensive snaps. I have no idea. Yeah, he doesn't play, but he, he'll be playing this week. <laughs> Gunnar Oshowski, you got going to have to move to the side for a minute. <laughs> step aside. Step aside, my brother. This is my week.
0: I've been waiting for this one. But, no, it's, it's, I expect it to be a good game, as they always are. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a big challenge. Big challenge for Snoop and the offense to go up there and uh, to be able to do enough. You know what I mean? I, again, I, I don't know that you gotta, we, we not, we not expecting, you know, to drop 40 or nothing like that, but you know, you gotta do enough because this defense certainly has been playing, you know, uh, much better than they were at the early part of this season, those first few games. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't think that you gotta, you gotta go crazy. Like I said, we're, we're putting up, you know, four or five touchdowns, but you gotta give them something. And then, uh, you know, I think that you can see some of that complementary football. So hopefully Snoop can do that and the defense can do their part and maybe see a play on special teams. You know, it's one of those games where you kind of need something to come from everybody um, to, to go up to a division opponent on the road and get a win in their place. You know, yeah. it takes a lot to pull those off. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be exciting no matter what. But, uh, yeah, go Ravens, man. Get that dub. Uh I think when we get out of here, you know what? I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna go out with the little old school, you know, for the outro here. Um, so yeah, y'all know what to do. Like, subscribe, share it everywhere. Tell a friend to tell a friend, and uh, you know, we're gonna get up out of here. Until next time, y'all be good.
2: Peace, peace,